Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Fish Bites, the Miami Herald's Miami Marlins weekly podcast. I'm Jordan McPherson. He's Andre Fernandez. Andre, how are you doing, man? I'm good, man. Good to see you. You're back in Miami now. You're not on the road, but about to, you're, you're getting back to Atlanta pretty soon for a pretty darn good series. Yeah, it's going to be a good one, and it's made even more important and made possible even more based off what Miami just freaking did down here, taking five games of a seven-game set against Philly, Five, seven games, five days, two double headers, and they pulled it off. I I think you've made not just me jealous that you're going to Atlanta, but you've also made retired, legendary Miami Herald Clarkster jealous because he had to sit through what was it like 16, 15, no, like fifteen or sixteen bad losing seasons or, or, or not well non playoff seasons since the O three championship and now you come along you you you're you're in his spot now and you get the playoff season probably in a couple of weeks. Oh, luck of the draw. I mean two years in, I again I think <laughs> I speak for everyone saying I did not envision this in any sense of the word. The playoffs let alone just everything else that happened this season. But not gonna complain. Not one bit. <laughs> Great, great, no, great, great stuff, and they're they're they've turned into a really great story. But uh, no matter what happens, no matter how, how much how it finishes, if this team does get in the postseason, you, you know, considering the obstacles they had early on and, and all the factors in this world right now that are going on, what a what a what a you know what a, what a resilient story for them to to persevere and to to get through and 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 just do what they're doing. They are playing a pretty entertaining brand of baseball right now. For a team that you know had to literally patch it together for a while, and, and now now you're starting to see the even starting to see the future on the field. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you talk about patching it together. I think the current count up to 170 something roster moves. They've had the 18 <laughs> debuts and mentioning the kids. I mean, I want to yeah. talk specifically about what we saw Sunday with that doubleheader. You see Sixo Sanchez with complete yeah. game effort in the first seven inning game. Then you see Braxton Garrett, who you and I were texting before when he was named the 29th man, going. <laughs> what what are we gonna what's gonna happen if he ends up starting this game over Nick Niter? And then you see the Phillies roll out their mm-hmm. lineup, Mattingly makes the last second switch and goes with Gary, and he held his own. He looked pretty good. I mean, yeah. he had a few of his curveballs went down the dirt a lot probably more than he hoped for, but to see those two rookies on top of Trevor Rogers in the rotation, we saw Nick Niter before everything happened with COVID. We see Pablo still continuing to grow and has a big game on Monday to start get back in the rhythm. And you see Sandy start to turn the form, and you're starting to see that rotation really start to come together among those young guys. Yeah, as soon as, as, soon as I saw that tweet about Braxton, it was like the Scooby-Doo reaction, like, Arr? we're going to see Braxton? And, I, and that's why we even talked about, about, you know, I think he's going to start. And then he does. And yeah, I mean, ball. you know, you want to say balls in the dirt, what have you. Just the fact that he comes up. This is a kid that we, again, another one that was projected for 2021. And he's coming up early. I know it was a spot start one time, but that's hard to come up on that big stage and perform, especially in, in meaningful games like this. And we see it time and again, and that's the impressive part. You see Trevor Rogers do it. Now he does it as well. I mean, I'm excited to to see if, like we were talking about today, what if they you know get the itch to bring him back up one more time, maybe next weekend in one of those doubleheaders. Make another spot start. Give the kid another experience. I mean, I, it helps. It, it's another reason I think the – the balance between going for it and continuing to develop these guys this season with minor league season, all the, you know, amongst themselves and that sort of thing. So to get, even if it's one, even two starts, whatever it is, that's going to benefit 
this kid tremendously. I mean, this is a, this is a future piece of what should be a future piece of this rotation, a, a lefty like him that can just balance that rotation of the future. When you look at the power throwing righties, they're going to have with six O and with Edward Cabrera, Sandy, you know, they're building a rotation potentially where they're not just going to have guys waiting in the wings. If any of the five slip up, but they're with depth, but they're going to have different looks to throw at teams you know, in, in a five-man set, you know, and it, it, once we go back to a normal 162, it's just a matter of endurance with these guys and staying consistent because you're, you're going to see a different look every night. You're going to see the hard thrower, then you're going to see the deceiving lefty, and then back to maybe, you know, a guy that relies a little more on, on you know, on a curve or change, stuff like that. It's going to be interesting to see. And, I, and honestly, you know, the numbers are fluctuating up and down, you know, in terms of ERA with some of these wins and losses, but it really has become, if not the best rotation in the division, I think maybe the most talented. And we're only seeing the first glimpses of it because these guys don't have long track records yet. But in terms of talent, it could be one of, the, one of, if not the best, you've seen right now. Yeah, and that's the big key there, saying it's talent and the fact that it is showing up in the biggest stages of Marlins' season and the Marlins' tenure over the last decade plus now. And now when we look at that, we look yeah. at, What's left with the schedule? I mean, they obviously still have eight games left on this homestand, three games against Boston, five games in three days against the Nationals. That's eight games against teams with sub-500 records right now before you go to back to Atlanta for four games. They're going to basically decide who gets first place in the National League East, which obviously that's a goal for the Marlins, period, to win the division, not just make the playoffs. But... Being yeah. able to get that division win and get that number two or number three seed, depending on how everything plays out, you get home field advantage to start the playoffs, and you also may get to luck out and avoid what could be a very dangerous 4-5 matchup with one of the highest teams in baseball in the San Diego Padres. Uh, I, I don't want. I don't want them. If I'm the Marlins, I don't want to face Tatis and, uh, and all the firepower that they've put together over there. I mean. That's the team to avoid. I mean, most more than honestly, and, and then a cross country trip. You have to play a Petco hitter friendly park where they can go crazy there. I mean, the way I see it right now, and then just watching this team over the weekend, I can't see it. the only way that they miss the playoffs now is if this thing really goes in the tank. Like if they drop 10, 11, 12 out of the last fifteen, and the way this team's playing, they're trending upward right now. They're getting they're getting hot. They're not going the other direction, and then mainly. If they at least go eight and seven, seven and eight, something like that, where it stays afloat, let's just say conservatively speaking, the way the schedule is built, they probably will still make the playoffs because all the, the way it is right now, it's just so hard for a team to break away. I mean, I'm looking at the Brewers and thinking, oh, but if the Brewers pass them and they get hot, well, guess what? It would take a tremendous streak because if the Brewers get hot, guess what? They knock out the Cardinals. And then in the, in, in the East, if the Phillies would have done it, then they're knocking someone else down or, or that, that could be a wild card. So it's just such a jumble that right now by them winning and by them putting themselves in this position where they're a few games over, they've given themselves such a cushion where it would really just take something catastrophic to push them completely out of the playoffs. But the important part I think is why not go for the division title? I mean, it's within their grasp. They've had success against Atlanta and I think they still can as far as Atlanta's pitching is concerned in this next series because you know, not not only like you said to avoid that unfavorable matchup, but this franchise has never won a division title. And what, how how funny would that be to finally get one in this type of a season where so much has gone wrong for them? <laughs> and 
to finally hang a different sort of banner in that stadium. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, again, we've said, and also we know the fact when they make the playoffs, they go all the way. They can just add that extra element yeah. of momentum and confidence going in after being able to say, look at us, this team that came in, nobody expected us to make it. I think it was at the beginning of the season, it was a 0.4% chance if it even was that high to just make the playoffs before everything happened. And, yep. and then you go through everything they went through. You see all of the resiliency and the scrappiness that the team has to go through and show just to stay afloat. And then out of nowhere, yeah. I shouldn't even say out of nowhere, just to see how they're continuing it now that they're back at full strength. I mean, we talked about their pitching staff for basically weeks and weeks now. Let's take a little bit of a look at their offense. This series against the Phillies, the seven games, they hit 289 over the seven games. 10 doubles, six home yep. runs, 426 slugging mark at Marlins Park over seven games. For this team, yep. a team that has relied on small ball through and through and through, you're starting to see that you're starting to see at bats coming back to back to back. They're starting to get the runs out of it. They're starting to get the production and when the rotation is as good as it is, if you can score four runs, most of the time that's going to be enough. Yeah. No, and, and if you look at it, I mean, when you saw this team get completely swept, um, as far as offense goes, against a team like the Rays, where they can't even score a run in like two straight games, mm -hmm. and, you know, they're putting up ones and twos and, and, and something like that. Not, that wasn't that long ago. That was like, what, two, three weeks ago? Not even two weeks ago, basically, yeah. that this team couldn't score half the time. And especially at home. So if that, the missing element comes through it starts to, and they, it starts to be a, a consistent thing, I mean, you're starting to see some of the guys that haven't really got yet. I mean, the one player, which again, he coming into the season was the one long-term piece you could point to is Brian Anderson. And I think this weekend it was impressive to see how his bat is starting to come around. The power is starting to come around again. You know, the defensive play stole the show. What, what you know, turned Bra Braxton Garrett into a meme, and we saw that. But, but, but we know how good of a defender he is at third base. I mean, what's impressive is to see that bat finally get hot now. And, and really, today again, he's supposed to have a day off on Monday, and he's called into service when Isan gets hurt. And what does Brian do? Comes through with that big clutch hit, and, and really was the one that started to pull the game away in the Marlins' favor, and, and, and really, you know, another clutch performance by him. So, again, you start to see the formula. You start to see what, you know, James Rousen and Eric Duncan and these guys have been preaching, the, the you know, the continue to have an approach, continue to put together good at-bats, and do damage. And, and you look at those are the teams that have the best chance of winning championships. When you look at the Dodgers, when you look at the Padres, what are they doing? They're getting those guys on base, and here comes the big one, three-run blast, whatever it is, to do the most damage. And, 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 and again, if they can carry that into the postseason with a combo of a pitching staff that they have, look out. Yeah, and it's also, it's more than just a Brian Anderson or a Starling Marte who, again, seven ribbies over the seven games, ten hits this series. They're seeing it up and down the line, and you're seeing Don Mattingly find ways to creatively make sure that everybody's getting involved, everyone's staying active, and everyone's also getting time off, even if they're not getting a full off day. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've seen, I think it was the last handful of games, you see... Corey Dickerson and Matt Joyce, when they're in the corners, they leaving the game in the fifth or in the fourth or fifth inning in doubleheaders, seventh inning or so in the regular games. So they get a couple innings off their feet. Marlins don't have off days until mm -hmm. the playoffs start. So the fact that they're finding ways to weave everybody in, find ways for them to contribute in some way. I mean, I go back to Monte Harrison, the first game of the of the series. 
You have him come in as a pinch runner. He gets on second. He steals third in the ninth and sets it up so that Jorge Alfaro single up the middle gets you the walk-off win. You find the ways to find each person's individual roles and find ways to to maximize their their potential, maximize their what they can do best to get this team to find wins, even if it is just finding it in one play here, one play there. Well, well, that's where I think, you know, for a long time, Don Mattingly has been very good at at getting at keeping his guys fresh. And I think the policy that he has of kind of like preparing guys as to when they're going to play, when they're not going to play, that sort of thing. Hey, for years now, it's been a good thing. But this year, when you start talking about manager of the year, yeah, when they had to patch everything together, credit a lot of the organization for finding these replacement players, for, for doing all that, no doubt. But where Donnie, I think, uh, deserves a lot of credit and I think a lot of consideration for this potential award this year, uh, you know, things continue the way they're going, is what you said right now, you know, just finding, putting the pieces together. People like to point to when he takes a pitcher out, when he doesn't take a pitcher out, little things like that. And that's fine. But I think that what you said right now, finding the right roles for the right guys, especially when you're talking, he had guys he didn't know anything about for a while. Pitchers, he had only had secondhand info to go yep. about he early on. He meets him for the now, first time when he calls everything's him kind of, Yeah. <laughs> correct, right. And it's, so, I mean, that that's amazing. That, that, that's kind of, that for that to work out in a way that wasn't a total catastrophe just to begin with, let alone have success, I mean, that's a start right there. But then now you've seen it where guys have gotten acclimated and he's gotten his normal players back that he's known well, that he's coached for a little while. And even with the new guys, it, it's a blend of what he's been able to do to fit them in the right roles for the most part. I mean, yes, have they had some, you know, that some losses, some setbacks, of course, but again, a team that's three over 500 right now. And in this position where you're still thinking division title, I mean, I, again, I, I think Donnie deserves a lot of credit for, Overall, him and his staff, and, and you know, the, as a whole, the whole coaching staff for what they've been able to do to patch this thing together and, and and be trending upward at this point. Definitely. Now I want to transition that into a, more of a bigger picture question for you, for us to both talk about here. Obviously, playoff race, this is big for them. This is this is, could be a very big turning moment for this organization since that rebuild started back in October 2017. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little... Or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. How big and how important is it to not just see it now in this 60-game 60, 60 regular season? They need to find a way to continue this momentum beyond this year. And in order for, not just for them in terms of what they've been wanting to build, this why not us mentality, but for them to start to keep engaged with the fan base, the group that unfortunately hasn't been able to be at the ballpark this year to watch it all unfold. They've had to watch it through the TV. They have, they've had to watch it more. They've had to watch it from at least in a sense, a distance, just from your vantage point, from your, your view of this, just how big is this window of contention for them for the, how important is this going to be for them to keep this rolling beyond just making it through here in 2020? I mean, it's obviously it's definitely important. I mean, Here's the thing. 
One thing I'll point out to people that might say this is a gimmick because it's 60 games and whatnot, if they end up in the playoffs the way it is right now and they end up, let's say they don't even win the division, but if they end up in the top four, top five, guess what? They would have made the playoffs. I mean, rank, it wasn't 162 games, but it's a, you, you didn't get in because of the expansion of the playoffs for starters. I'm skeptical of just South Florida in terms of baseball because the shame for this team from their point of view right now is that the heat's in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Football season has started. And I still just feel like because of everything, like you said, there's no fans there watching it. Even the 6,000 or so, they're like the diehards that do show up aren't there. And we're in COVID and all everything going on right now that I just don't see the buzz with this. Like like I do with the heat being in the playoffs, not even close. I don't see that, you know, football's back. Football kind of overshadowed what was the best day of the season Definitely. on Sunday. Let's be honest, you know. And that's and that's the problem. That's the challenge that this team faces. I mean, yes, do they have a hardcore, faithful fan base. It's small, but they are devoted. Yes, they do. But can they build it to a point where they're on the same conscious like they're in the same level of, of awareness of consciousness in the south florida sports fan as the heat as the dolphins as the hurricanes or at least get even at least get on the map with those teams that type of thing this is a start this helps this definitely helps but if they don't come out next season and build off of this especially when you go back to the normal format then it's lost i mean but i just see too many at first i was a little discouraged the fact that it was only the, got, the free agents that were doing a lot of the work, that were doing a lot of this. But the fact that you started to see the future pieces improve, I know mostly is on the pitching side. But starting to see some of them on the hitting side as well, some of the prospects too, that's encouraging. Because those are the guys that will be here next season, the season after that. The ones that will have to make the push to turn this team into the White Sox. I mean, look at the White Sox right now. Yeah, They're the top seed in the American League. That's a team that was very similar to the Marlins, like for even longer for the past. I think they were, it felt like a perpetual rebuild over there, five, six years in a row. And you were like, when are the White Sox going to be good? That's what I think a lot of people down here are like, when are the Marlins going to be good? Well, guess what? They are finally good now. Can they sustain it? We'll see. But it'd be a shame if no one, re- if, if it'd be a shame if they're this good and it's like tree falls in the forest and no one realizes it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I hope that as we get closer to the postseason, you start to see a little more of a buzz with this team in spite of the fact that it'll, they'll be up against football and maybe even a heat championship if they beat the Celtics. Yeah, I mean, it's again, it's baseball's been the number three, number four, if you want to separate college football and NFL to two separate entities. They've always been fourth, fourth in terms of viewing, at least over these last few years. But yeah, yeah. it is, this is a very big moment and it's, it is a shame. I feel like, I mean, I'm at the ballpark almost every day that they've, that they've been home. I've been at a bunch of the road games, and it seems like it's just that same group of people who have paid attention through the struggles who are still paying attention yeah. now when they are in one of the biggest moments of biggest moments for them since probably since 2003 when they won it all. I mean, Easily. They, I mean, yeah. I mean, they had they were competitive in 2016 before they fell flat over the final month. They had a winning record in 2009, but there is nothing like what's going on right now where you see everything, all of the struggles from the last two years, the 203 losses, and having to wait and see how everything behind the scenes was going to play out for it to finally be here. 
And for yeah. the for this to be the moment that people have been waiting waiting for and talking about when are we going to see these guys? When are we going to see the trades pay off? They're starting to pay off now. And it's kind of the moment yeah. to see how it's actually being executed and seeing how it's going. I mean, again, Phillies, you just had Sixo Sanchez throw seven innings against the team that, tra- that traded him to Miami, who is going to more than likely have a chance to dominate them for years to come. Being caught by yeah. Jorge Alfaro, who came from that trade. It just keeps going. Sixto, Sixto mania or whatever you want to call it. It's just Sixto has hashtags. Let's just start with that. And I haven't, there hasn't been an excitement for a pitcher like that since Jose. Yeah. I mean, since Jose Fernandez, there's no, you know, there, there hasn't been the main event. That's the first time I'll tell you just from me personally, it's the first time since then that you, you point to the start. It's the main event guy, you know, like that, that right there. That's what they need next year. If there's fans again in the stadium, in the ballpark next year, something like that to look forward to. Like, oh, it's six though night. Like now, I really tonight the ballpark has a few, like a significant amount more fans because they want to see that, you know. And not just six though. Like maybe even one or two of these other guys step up. You know, I don't know. Maybe when Edward Cabrera makes it to the majors, yeah, similar. He's compared a lot to six. That's the kind of excitement the general. That's what you're seeing. 20, 20, you're right about all three. I think since then it hasn't been this serious, but in 16, and not to get too much into that, but I, we know why it unfortunately went you know south after that. But that was the last time that you had true excitement where hey, this team might make the playoffs. You know, maybe they got something special going. So four years later, and a lot of you know a lot of rebuilding, and you know whether you believe they were going to pull it off or not, or you still don't, or still or, or still have faith they do, but at least. It's trending toward, hey, this is some excitement, and, and especially considering all the factors that have gone into this season to, to get to this point. Noche de Sixto or Tarde de Sixto, as it was on Sunday afternoon. <laughs> it's just... Sixto day, the yeah. other Sixto, everything. Yeah. I mean, it gives, it gives you the excitement. It gives you the energy. And now let's just quickly to wrap this up. Again, 15 games left going into the series against Boston. One or two yeah. things that you want to see from this team down this final, down these final fifteen games. I mean, you, you know, it's going to be hard for them to sustain maybe what they did the last couple of days in terms of that high level of dominance, but just just some consistency from the offense. I mean, I think that again, that that was huge. But you know what else too? I mean, and I've talked about the bullpen a lot, and they're you know they're under they're overshadowed by the by the rotation right now. But I think what you saw this weekend too holding leads when they did have to step up today. Kinsler gets the save. That's to me, that's still something that doesn't get talked about a lot right now. That is going to be crucial because the games are going to get tougher. The games are going to get, you know, they're going to be in a lot of dog fights, a lot of narrow late um, battles there, especially against the type of teams, you know, especially that last week when they go against Atlanta with the division on the line and the Yankees, it could come down to those few games to decide the East after that, you know, the NL East. And the Yankees are going to be healthy. Looks like Judge and Stanton could be back at that point. Those are, and they're going to be fighting for playoff positioning too. So you're going to have so the playoffs are going to begin that final week for the Marlins. It's not going to be, uh, you know, beginning of October or those last couple of days of September. It's going to be um, September. What are we? That that Monday, September 21st in Atlanta. Mark it down. Playoffs begin that day for the Marlins. Yeah, and just to piggyback off that, the bullpen. Uh, 
obviously, we've seen Boxberger and Kinsler. Yimmy coming back has been absolutely huge for them. I mean, still hasn't yep. given up a run yet this year. Knock on wood. I'm hoping I didn't jinx you. If I yeah. did, sorry, Yimmy. Uh, you have the three of them. James Hoyt, who comes into basically every one of those two-on, two-out situations to get the one out and has yep. more or less lived up to the billing. Richard Blyer has impressed as one of the few lefties they have out of the pen. Josh A. Smith has shown that he can give you short innings, long innings. That's six guys right there. And, and, when and what's the denominator there? Smith, Hoyt, Blyer, all replacement guys. Yep. And they're the glue They're the glue in that middle relief. And also, Yimmy, Boxberger, and Kinsler all knew this year. All brought in through free agency. Right. Completely right. overhauled bullpen, which the Marlins and they, and knew. All, right. Yeah, I mean, the Marlins knew they were going to have and to rebuild that. And interesting, too, that Mattingly says that those guys, he'd tap them to be the closer on any given night. He trusts the three of them interchangeably almost. You know, so I think come postseason, you kind of want to ride the one guy that you know that you're confident in, though. And I think that this is where a guy like Kinsler really has to step in and, and, and seize that. And if he falters, then maybe, or a guy maybe like Yimmy, if that were to happen, you know, if he can continue that hot streak going. Yep, definitely. And then also Nick Vincent also, he was a spring training invitee, and now Nick Neither's in there as your long guy. So if you're going yeah. into the postseason with that bullpen compared to what the Marlins have had in the past, I think they take that yeah. take that and run and consider the fact that once you go into the postseason, you could potentially move yeah. one of your starters into more of a long relief bullpen type role if you want to take like a Trevor Rogers or a Braxton Gary down there in that route. I think the other part, too, the men, that's worth mentioning, too, is the fact that this season's been so short and a lot of these guys don't have much of a track record could work in their favor because a lot of teams don't have that history of facing a lot of these guys, and that could bite these other teams if they were to face the Marlins in the playoffs because of that kind of – we know there's tape on everybody, but that that having faced someone experience is, just isn't there that much with a lot of them, and that could work in the Marlins' favor, too. Definitely. I think that's going to wrap us up for here today. Thanks again for tuning in to the latest episode of Fish Bites. We'll be back again next Tuesday. And at that point, we'll be in the thickest part of what has been the playoff race. We'll be in the home stretch, guys. Yep. I'm Jordan McPherson. You can find me on Twitter at J underscore McPherson1126. He's Andre Fernandez. You can find him on Twitter at Fernandez Andre C. Thanks so much again, and tune in next week. See you guys.